Welcome to Veteran State of Mind. I'm your host, Geraint Jones, back with another fantastic guest for you. You're welcome. You're welcome, noble listeners. It's a pleasure and an honor to be able to do this for you. I want to be able to do it without the help of the Royal British Legion. Big ups to them. Thank you so much, Royal British Legion, for doing what you do. Thank you for bringing awareness to battles and campaigns that might otherwise be forgotten. Campaigns like the war in the East and the Italian campaign, the so-called D-Day Georgers. We don't believe they were D-Day Georgers. Not, well, fuck it out. It's a hard word to say. And that's, that, that just goes to show, we don't believe in it at all. No D-Day, D-Day Dodger, D-Day Dodger, D-Day Dodger. <laughs> no D-Day Dodgering going on here, right? We respect and we thank all veterans of Great Britain and her allies and all of that stuff. We fucking love you guys. You guys. You know what? Actually, talking to the old and bold, I want to give a big shout out. I want to give a big shout out to the veterans who are listening with Paul. I know you guys tune in in, um, in the in the care home. Um, I want to say thank you. Thank you for coming along. The old and bold. You were on the front gate when we were on the Cowan gate. We really appreciate having you all along with us. Thank you so much for leading the way, for giving us a path to follow on behind. Uh, you guys are fucking legends, and um, yeah, I'm glad. You, I'm glad that you're listening. It was a. It was. It was a real. It was a real. Uh, a real honour to hear that. So uh, cheers, and don't give Paul too much of our time at work. All right. Who we got on today's podcast? No, wait, before that, hang on, you don't, you don't get the podcast yet, you young ones and you older ones, you don't get it yet. First of all, we have to go through what's called capitalism, right? And as part of today's capitalism, we have some sponsors and they make the podcast happen. None more or less so than Camouflage, spelt with a K. Camouflage is a specialist surveillance and investigations company a brand you can rely on for their professionalism, integrity, and quality of work at all levels. Not only do they get amongst it, but camouflage are stockists of surveillance, specialized surveillance, not just any old surveillance, specialized surveillance, outdoor clothing and equipment and more from the likes of Lawmate, Yukon, TRC Outdoors, and Luminae Designs. They also have a series or server. They also have a service for bespoke handmade ghillie suits and vehicle tracking systems. Right now, Camouflage and Lumine are working on some mega alley tactical gear. Uh, I've seen, I've seen what they've got on there on their site. You can see it too. Go to at Camouflage Limited. Remember, Camouflage spelled with a K. Limited Ltd. You're welcome. Warren Buffett taught me that one. At camouflage.co.uk, also with a K. Check them out, look at their Ali gear, purchase some Ali gear, become more Ali yourself. And if you need someone to get in a bush and have a look at stuff, Camouflage are your guys. So go check them out. And a big thank you to Frontier Risks Group, home of the world's leading practical training course in security risk management consultancy. Frontier Risks Group is an amalgamation of a number of leading companies in their fields, guided by a team who have equal experience and expertise in their respective domains. From security and crisis management, corporate risk, intelligence and analysis, compliance, workplace investigation, trauma response and training consultancy. If you are a veteran or if you will be transitioning out of the military, then you need to check these guys out regardless of your rank or background. Why? Because they will put you on their mega course 
And then you can go and work at a company like BBC, CNN, Deloitte, BAE Systems, Apple, many more, including travel expert companies. So basically, to summarize what I've just been saying, if you want to get involved in the world of security, go and see Frontier Risks Group. They're going to sort you out. You can check them out at FrontierRisks.com. That's FrontierRisks.com or at Frontier Risks Group on the social media. I don't think they have a TikTok, though, youngsters. So you might have to get on to Instagram. But thank you, Frontier Risks Group, and thank you, Zulu Alpha Strap Company. Bombers watch straps for Ali blokes. Zulu Alpha Straps is a veteran-owned company who know how important it is to be in the right place at the right time and looking bloody good when you get there. Uh, if you spend the money on a nice watch, you want to keep it where it belongs, on your wrist, IEDs notwithstanding. Zulu Alpha Watch Straps, as far as I as know, do not come with an IED guarantee. But they might be working on that. I don't know. I'm just going to assume that they are. But you got a nice watch, keep it on your wrist as much as possible with a lovely Zulu Alpha Strap. They are fantastic. they got lovely pictures. they got lovely videos. Where can you watch them? You can watch them at... Zulu Alpha Straps, one word. Tell them that I sent you. Slip into their cheeky DMs, right? Slip in there, let them know that Gaz sent you, and uh, you never know, they might give you some stuff for free. They won't do, but, you know, never hurts to ask, does it? Go in there, have a chat with them, and uh, secure yourself a nice strap for securing your watch at Zulu Alpha Straps. Check them out. Right, today's guest is... Mighty fine. And he is also mighty inspiring. He is a veteran of the rifles. Um, and he was, uh, well, you know what? I tried to record this episode not giving away what had happened to him. But we keep slipping it up. So I might as well give it away from the beginning. He's a double amputee. Lost both of his legs. Um, and you know what he hasn't lost? is his fucking attitude of being a winner. His attitude of being a dominator. Um, he's an absolutely inspiring, inspiring motherfucker is what he is. I really enjoyed these conversations. In fact, we enjoyed the conversation so much that um, I begged him to come back and do round two. So we're going to have that out on Monday. So this is going out on the Thursday and he's coming back in so that we can do another one and get that. We'll have that one out for you on the Monday. Uh, you know what? We're going to have to do another one after that because he's fucking, this guy is just he is incredibly inspiring. So let's hear from him, shall we? Mr. Justin Oliver Davis. Justin, welcome to the podcast, mate. Long-awaited guest. Thank you, mate. It's been, it's been a pleasure to be here. Yeah, like we were just saying off camera, and then I'm like, I'm glad you're here. Because, um, you know, we use this like app to get people booked in now. So until the weekend, I, I, I lose track of like who's coming on in the week. So I looked earlier, yeah. and I was like... Um, I was like, oh, awesome. Like, Justin's coming on. I was like, good, I need a bit of inspiration. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do, though, mate, because we've been, I think people have been flat. People have been flat during lockdown, and you're here to pump people up, motivate them. Let's give it a go. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for coming along, mate. Um, let's just jump straight into, we've got some things, hot topics on the agenda, um, but I want to jump straight into giving people a background about who you are, yeah. who you are, where you're from. Uh, all that kind of good stuff. So do you want to give us the spiel? Um, I'm Justin Davis. Uh, I grew up in just on the edge of the Cotswolds, mate. Um, it it sound, sounds really nice, but it was just north of Swindon. Um, so so when, you say, when you say it's that area, people are like, what, are you from Swindon? I was like, no, 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 just, just north, mate, just north. <laughs> um, so, mate, I was so fortunate to grow up in that area. And, um, you know, I was just running about as a, as a young young lad, like just with sticks and 
combat 95s and black boots on mate and um i think i was always destined to be to be a squad you know um so so yeah i um i i kind of didn't do very well at school um primary school was all right and then secondary school just like just kind of I guess it was. Um, I just wasn't really into it, mate. I didn't like. I didn't like classrooms. I didn't like sitting down. I didn't like being told, you know, you need to learn in this in this way, or you know, this is how we're gonna, this is how we're gonna teach you. I just, I just didn't suck it up, mate. It wasn't nice for me. Um, whether that was a teaching style, whether that was just me being an individual, I don't know. But um, yeah, so secondary school kind of just got through it. I didn't. I think I left with like two GCSEs or something, um, and I think they were in. Uh, PE, so physical education and and design and technology, mate. So, right. so I think like you know, I was I was always going to be practical. I was going to be outside doing something. Like Designing that. yourself some gains. Yes, that's what you're doing. Yes, mate. I wanted to before we before we go on to the army stuff, man. I, I, I want to pick up on some of the stuff you said though, because that's really interesting. Is the because you're you're obviously an intelligent lad. I enjoy reading your posts, and um, it's interesting that you'd say that you weren't really kind of feeling it in school. Because I think this is something that comes across common with a lot, you know, with a lot of people. Mm. Because you don't, you seem, you strike me as someone that like enjoys learning, right? I do, I love it, I do. But like, I mean, I think I enjoy learning it kind of uh, how I want to learn. I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want it forced down my throat. And, you know, the curriculum, you know, the way we were taught at that time, I, I think a lot of the teachers were, were, were kind of standing teachers and there was never kind of any continuation, I can't even speak, uh, there was never any continuation made through our through our. Uh, uh, through our lessons so um i found it hard to pick it up um i mean i enjoyed history um and like i say more of the practical things but outside of that mate i was just i was a, I was a little shit to be honest <laughs> basically yeah, i like the, i like the idea of these old like schools back in the day like the greek kind of way of doing things where you'd have a lot of you know you'd physical education and and like um your literature and philosophy and everything like that was all you know you'd go up for you go and hike somewhere yeah. and you'd sit on top of the mountain and discuss philosophy that sounds like a great way of doing things to me yeah i agree mate i agree and, and sat in a classroom you know and all i was doing was just looking out the window because all i wanted to be is outside you know just mm. running about and i really enjoyed sport at that time um and just generally being active and i think i just had a lot of like pent-up energy and I just wanted to expend it somewhere. And and for me, I couldn't do that and learn at the same time. Um, so I, I, I have to be hands-on and I have to be doing something, you know? One of the interesting things, man, and I'm sure this is something you probably use yourself, is, you know, when you're looking out the window as a kid, you get told, don't do that, you know, daydreaming. Mm. But then when you get, like, you start looking into successful people when you get older, you're like, oh, they all visualize. Yeah. Like, what's the difference between looking out the window and thinking about what you want to do and visualizing it's the same fucking thing but we chastise kids for it completely mate i think i think the schooling system has got to be changed you know everything else seems to be advancing at like at, at horrendous speeds you know but the schooling system to me i mean just it seems to be archaic you know i don't know whether it's 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 adapting you know slightly now but for me it's just it just wasn't good <laughs> yeah i mean i know like you that's technology wise you know that's catching up but again the problem there is you know it depends like if you're in an affluent school you're going to get more resources to technology but i think just this principle of asking kids like to sit still and then if you don't sit still there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. i think that's 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 kind of the biggest problem and that doesn't matter if you're using ipods or desks or whatever if you're asking a kid to stay still and they're not and they're, like then you're oh you're the naughty kid you're the misbehaving kid you're the kid that's looking out of the window maybe you're the kid that's got big fucking ideas big dreams yeah yeah, yeah. or maybe you're brand you're branded at an early age with like adhd or you know add or you know these types of things and it's just like maybe you should look a little bit deeper rather than 
than expecting a young person to kind of abide by these rules that you're putting in place you know maybe they can they can change the system and, and get people out and about exactly what you're talking about you know show them something tell them about it and then see if they've learned about it or if they enjoy it you know my mates who are teachers though they'd probably not be happy if i told them fucking get on a tab take these kids up to the top of the yeah, yeah, and i'm yeah. not saying it'd be easy by any means to control a, a, i'm not saying like that could be a fucking nightmare you got four kids and you take them up a mountain yeah but um you know, my, um, did you ever do any of camps? Like, did you ever do any, like, the outdoor education camps through PE and stuff where you go away to, like, we went to places like Llangranog and, um, you know, around Better Sequoiden places. And, and we went to those places, mate. And they were some of the, those were the best weeks in school I ever had. Did you ever do anything like that, that, that like that, like an AT week, basically? I don't, I don't think we did much of that, to be honest. But, like, when I, when I was playing football, when I, when I was, um, I used to play for the year above in football. So, and they went, they went on a, a trip to Italy mm. and it was just a, a tour around Italy to play uh, the same, same age group. And, and I, I loved it, mate. I loved being around the older kids and I loved being able to really push on and push myself physically because that's where I got my most enjoyment from. And I was actually a much better like student or pupil when I had expended that energy I just feel like I had it was all there, and to sit down just wasn't going to do it for me. Yeah, tours are awesome with sports, mate. Because um, as well, like I think as well, it just sets up a young person better for for developing through life because you get to get to see a bit of a world, get to do it with your mates, but you also start to build that independence. Yeah, you know, and I think that's something that's really lacking from like a lot of people growing up now through no fault of their own. If you haven't been given exposure to something, how are you supposed to know how to do it? You know, completely agree, mate. And I think that's you know going go, going back to our first topic, like earlier on about litter picking. And um, if you haven't if you haven't been taught that, or you know, you just don't know that it's the right thing to do, then why are you going to do it? Let's segue into litter picking, mate. Yeah, let's get straight to <laughs> so, look, I saw your post earlier, and I was like, you know what, this is perfect because I've been losing my shit. So you you still live in the countryside now, are you? Yeah, I'm I'm like 20, 20 minutes outside Bristol. Right. So I'm, 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 yeah, pretty much in the countryside, little town, you know. Yeah. So what's, um, and what's, what's happening? You're getting out every day, and what? Just seeing, have you, you've been seeing an increase in litter during the lockdown? Would you say? I think, I don't know if it's even, I don't even think it's, um, you know, around the lockdown or not. I think it's in general, man. Wherever you go, um, just uh, like an example, when I was in Egypt, like last last year, um, diving. Oh mate, Egypt. Just, there was litter everywhere, mate, and it, it, you know. Yeah. It's terrible, isn't it? And I'm not saying it's the, it, you know it's one one location, but it's it's worldwide. And I don't know whether it's you know because of like people just not 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 caring about it, or they're not educated about the subject, or thinking you know maybe they're keeping someone else in a job because they're throwing a litter on the floor. It's like what the fuck are you on about? Um, but um, but yeah, the local area, mate. So I went out cycling this morning. I was out pretty early, just I suppose about six ish, and um, mate, I was cycling on this cycle path, and there was just like bags and bags and bags of litter that people had obviously been out into the fields and picked up and placed onto the side waiting for the council to come and pick them up but you know it this is a group of 60 and 70 year olds that were out picking it up in the morning and it's just like you're just thinking what's got into people like what's what's, what's the crack i think one of the things so i live in the countryside and I, i've been all for people coming to use the countryside during lockdown i'm all for it we're like the countryside belongs to all of us but you gotta respect it yeah. Um, and I think one of the things, to be honest, mate, is I, it's, it's quite often like, and it is, I'm going to generalize, usually younger people that's doing it. And I think that they know that there's just no consequences for their actions. 
Because when I've told them I'm going to fill them in, if they don't pick the stuff up, they pick the stuff up. So I'm just saying, it's great, mate. You know what? It's funny because it's like, it worked better when I had the beard. Yeah, I bet. Because basically, it'd be parked there. You just see something coming out of the car and you just walk up. It's like, it's like, do you want to pick that up or do you need me to hit you? And I'm like, I'll pick it up. I'm going to pick, <laughs> it, up. I'm gonna pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what, mate? I had, I, had, I had a thought earlier, you know, like a lot, you'll have numerous people have said to me, like in the past, like, oh, like, they'll throw a comment out there that these types of people should be, you know, thrown into the military and the military will sort them out. You know, my response to that is like, would I want to be stood next to a guy, right, in a firefight, you know, and expecting him to save my life when he can't even pick up a bit of, bit of rubbish on the floor or he's throwing it on the floor? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, yeah, it, that, 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 that's a common term. I'm sure you've heard it as well, but it's just. Oh, mate, all the time. And people get mad at you then when you're like, no, I don't think they should do that. Like, oh, yeah. what? I, I thought you were a, I thought you were a patriot. It's like, no, mate, I got a fucking brain, and I don't like exactly what you said, mate. Yeah. Like, I feel like right, mate, service. right, right. <laughs> Where's that fucking liner of ammunition for the gympy? <laughs> oh, fucking bin. It was too hard to carry. What? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they're not going to carry a plastic water bottle home, they're not going to carry a fucking eight hundred rounds for your gympy, are they? Bloody cunts. Mate. That's it, mate. Um, I'm glad you dropped that in, mate. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the thing with them, mate, right, is like. This national service thing, I get where they're coming from in principle, but I'm I'm very much for a form of service because I do think that you should be of service to not necessarily your country, just to your fellow man and to the human race, yeah. right? Because um, I'm sure you found the same thing, mate. When you're doing things like right now, you and me having this chat, as fun as it is for you and me, it's, this chat's going to be good for somebody else here too, and that'll make us feel good, mm-hmm. right? When you're a service of people, it helps other people. And um, this, the national service thing, I'm thinking, well... Why can't we, instead of all those, like those older people that you're mentioning, they're going to feel good for cleaning up that rubbish, even though they're probably going to have a good whine about young people while they're doing it, justifiably <laughs> so. You know, but it's something like, well, why can't, when, when you finish school, you go away for a year, again, you're getting away, you're learning to be on your own, you're learning to be independent, and you go up to Scotland, you work on forestry or something, or you, you know, you go to Sudan and you help on a camp there. Yeah. We, you know, at the moment, if you're a young lad or a young lass and you want to get around and see the world, you have to sign up to an organisation which might ask you to shoot those people. Yeah. You know, there's not really anything that's like, there are a few organisations, but it's 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 easy for you and me like to go, right, I'm 16, I want to go and get a job and you get one in the army. But where's those organisations where you go, I'm 16 and I want to go and help people on the other side of the world? Like, it's, it's you know, I think we should be promoting that stuff a lot more. Totally agree, mate. Totally agree. And I think, I think, I think more of those kind of operations are springing up now, you know, because there's definitely a call for it and a need for it, 100%. Um, but it's just, it, it's crazy, mate. I mean, is there more that we can do as individuals? You know, it probably is. Um, but but it, you've got, you know, I don't want to generalise, but a lot of the younger generation don't really want to listen to the older generations, do they? You know, and, and I think, yeah. you know, they're getting they're getting a little bit rebellious as well now, aren't they? You know, um, I don't know whether. Oh, fuck yeah, it. yeah, those little fuckers. But um, but um, I mean, if you walk up to a group of 20, 20 old lads in in a group in a park and you say to them, "Listen, lads, you're going to pick this up, aren't you?" They're going to be like, "Fuck off, mate! Fuck off, mate!" You're going to get a load of abuse, you know, G- generalization. But it's there's there's an element of risk in that as as well, isn't there? You know, maybe an older an older person will go up and say something, and they might get filled in. You never know what's going to happen, do you? Well, this is where the phrasing comes in importantly. So this is what I've started to look. I've started to use a bit of manipulation for, because um, I don't know if you noticed, mate, but like women manipulate us with their words all the time. They make us mm. make us do things that we never do because they manipulate us. They're very clever. I've started learning from them, <laughs> right? So the thing I say to the thing I'll say to young lads now 
a like okay sometimes I do lose my temper I go and bang on a window but that's only if there's a couple of them and I think <laughs> they don't look very big yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> Which yeah, yeah. I don't I don't recommend by the way but that's just me losing my temper because like I'm probably listening to some kind of political podcast or something and I'm on the edge and put my hand up to that <laughs> but if I'm not on the edge I'll say to them hey lads can you do me a favor and like let's say for instance they're using like quite rude language and my mum's on the other side of the fence say lads can you do me a favor can you just mind mind the language please and because you've like phrased it like can you do me a favor they're more likely to do it now like oh lads can you do me a favor please can you pick up the litter because um one of and just lie and go just one of our sheep choked on something last week and died Mm. so you're not blaming them but you're giving them an opportunity to be the hero basically yeah like because if you run out of your house in your box shorts, you've got baseball bat, you're like, pick me fucking rubbish. They're probably going to be like, ah, oh, fuck you, fuck off, you're not bad. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. all going to run off. But if you make them, you make them that you're there doing you a favour, flips the tables then, fucking mind games, mate. I like that. Mind mate. games. I'm going to learn from you, yeah. mate. I'm going to learn from you. You've got a course. <laughs> I, I've got a course. It's called How to Fucking Manipulate Little Chav Guns and Drop the Litter around my, fucking, yes. Yes. Around my house. Sign me up. But to be, the, the, the thing as well, it's like, um, like this one works for people uh, in gyms too, mate. People not picking up their weights. Instead of going, you're going to pick that up, which instantly, that'll put, put my back up. Mm. I don't know about you. Yeah. Instead of that, you go, oh, mate, can you do us a favor? Uh, someone tripped over here last week and, you know, don't want the gym to get fucking sued. Do you mind picking up the weights? Yeah. Mind games. Yeah, Mind I like games, that, mate. Has it worked though? <laughs> Has that worked? It works. It works. Like, but you got to keep on it. you got to keep on it about it. Um. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've also squared off to the people in the gym before when they're... But the younger people, it does tend to... It does tend to, like, fucking... Because, like, you, mate, like, with what with what you're doing, and, like, if you're a big lad, well, you know, some some would say that I'm a muscular gentleman. <laughs> um, if you... like, And, and there's a young 18-year-old lad in the gym. You don't know it, but he's looking up to you. Mm. And he's looking for leadership. Yeah, of course. I, I, no, I, com- I completely agree, man. Completely agree. Yeah, so maybe it is a, an approach that, that others can take. Um, and maybe you should reach out to more people and, and, and teach them that, mate, I think. Which is what you and me should be doing on social media, mate, which I think we both try and do, don't we? I, yeah, I mean, I try like I try and inspire um, and, I, and generally just share share more positive stuff, you know, because I want to turn my negative experience of getting blown up into something more positive and just share that, you know. That's kind of my mission. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm default negative, mate, so I find it quite hard, but you, you come across as very... Very, very inspirational. But let's go back to what got you into the army in the, in the first place then. Did you have, like, military connections or... No, mate. Or anyone like that? Or was it... How do you find it? How, I Like, sorry, I was in, like, how did you actually find the army? Do you know what, mate? Like, it, at that time, so Afghan was, Afghan was really kicking off and it was, and it was, in, it was in the news and the media. It was, it was everywhere. So wherever you were, you could see it. Um, so it, it, it just... It just really like it just really struck a chord with me, and I was I was twenty one at the time. So I let so go, just going back slightly, I left school and um, I I went and studied to become a bench joiner. That's just making furniture out of wood, isn't it? For those that don't know, but um, so that was pretty cool. And I did that for about five years, and then I decided that you know, I I, probably, I just I knew there was more for me, and I like to be stuck in a workshop inside, like you know, it's practical. So that was kind of ticking that 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 side of it. But um, I had to be out, mate. I had to. I still had that energy. I still had that drive. Still had that determination. And with with Afghan being in the news at that time, I was just like, it just it just jumped out at me. And I was like, these people that are doing that, you know, for, for whatever reason they're doing it, is really kind of drawing me in. Whether they're whether they're doing it for you know, queen and country for themselves for a political point of view, it didn't really matter to me. I just saw these 
people as, as the individuals that are prepared to put themselves in the line, you know, of harm's way for, for the greater good, you know. And uh, I was just I was just sold on it as soon as I saw the Afghan war kicking off, mate. Um, so, so, so it was like an excitement element. Yeah, right? yeah, I was, I was, I was super excited, and I, and I probably had something to prove to myself, mate. If I'm looking, looking deep like that, but um, I'm not entirely sure what that is yet. <laughs> yeah, so I, th- I think that's 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 natural enough. I mean, I hear that quite a lot. Guys joining because they want to see see action. What was your kind of like family's reaction to that? To you going from joining to joining to like I want to be in the infantry and go to Afghan. Yeah, I, well. My dad wasn't pleased, mate. He was just like, well, what do you want to do that for? I was just mm. like, well, because because I want to. It's as simple as that. And and if I really want to do it. In fact, mate, it was like a calling for me. It was like I've never experienced that before. But honestly, it was like the strongest sensation of, of you know, just, just calling me into it. And I was like, well, I have to do it because everything I think about, like all, all the kind of the, the media that I'm 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 observing is, is just really striking a chord with me. And I had to go and do it. Um, so my, my dad wasn't very happy about it. He was just, he was, to be honest, he's never really been, he's never, he hasn't got the drive that I've got. You know, he's not as passionate as I am about certain things and he's quite happy doing his own thing. Whereas I really had to find a, find a direction for that energy that I had. And I just saw the army as being, as being something that would suit that, you know, down to a T. Um, on the other side, my mum and, uh, she, she was uber keen. She was like, you know, cause her dad, her dad was in the RAF, sadly. Um, but he was in there for a good period. He was in there for like 25 years, mate. And he was, oh, he was, wow. he yeah. was, yeah, he was yeah, a good guy. I looked up to him, a lot of respect for him. And, um, and, and she was, she was keen. She was like, yeah, go and do it, you know, because she'd seen, you know, what her father had been through, you know, the kind of the morals and the, and the, everything else that had been instilled in him. Um, and she was just like, yeah, go and do it. So there's two completely polar opposite, you know, reactions from them both. And one, I had to kind of just push to the side and the other, I had to pull closer um, so yeah, that was that mate. And there was, there was, once my mind was made up, there was, there was no, you know, the, you know, the queen could have said to me, you, you're not joining. And I still would have tried to get in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there was nothing anyone could do. Do you think that, um, actually, you know what, let me ask you this. Do you get like a lot of kids messaging you now saying stuff like, I want to join the infantry, but I don't you know. My parents don't want me to. Do you ever get messages like that? Do you know what? I don't actually. I don't. I get, you know, most of my stuff is is around amputation. You know, people want to people want to question me about, you know, how do I do certain things? Like, what equipment do I use? Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler yeah, yeah. alert. Uh-oh. The <laughs> yeah, um, you, you can edit that out, mate. Um, but um, no, I mean, and when I go and do some of the talking stuff with Blesma, um, you, you do get a little bit of that because you know you're you're speaking to impressionable, you know, fairly young guys and girls and you know some of them will, will be like look, i really want to join you know where's best to go and you, you kind of have to be like well, well what do you want to do like who who are you as a person and at that age you, you have no idea who you are do you know <laughs> so there's just no idea I mean, you're still figuring out you figure it out now i think what you figure out is that you keep figuring it out yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i've not figured it out yet mate <laughs> my path keeps like crisscrossing across life mate <laughs> but that's fine mate but that's your that's what you figured out is you need to be the person that crisscrosses some people yeah, are yeah. direct line some people are meandering um i think what you say about calling though was important mate though because like i know there's young people listening to this and a lot of them are like, oh, how do I tell my parents I want to be in the army? How do I tell them? Like, maybe they want they don't want me to be in the infantry. You, and I always say, look, you can't explain. If someone gets it, they get it. It's like saying, it's like whoever you're in love with, 
you like you some of your mates might look and go who the fuck is that yeti why would you be in love with her <laughs> but, then, but then other people well but like, but like you know you if you are in love with that person it's the military like having a call in for the military is more like being in love with someone than looking at a job yeah do you know what mate and i found actually actually like looking back the military was like my tribe you know when, as soon as i got in i was like i just clicked i was like this is where i'm gonna be this is what i'm gonna do um and, and I, I think that's why i enjoyed going through all the shit so much you know you know and uh all the exercises being cold being wet you know you know it's like but um i enjoyed it i generally enjoyed it you know um so yeah i don't get too many messages about the military um but when i speak to people face to face you know they often ask me if i regret going in and i'm like absolutely not and that's hand on heart like because it was a calling there was there was there was no way how, how can you regret it it's like it's what i was that's it, what i'm meant to be doing you know every fiber of my body was like this is this is where you need to go that's awesome mate. and even the the careers office mate it was like you know the guys in there were just like you know you've got you're a qualified joiner you could go the engineers you could do this you could do that i was like it's not happening just i want to go in the infantry like, i don't care like, i just want to go in and and just see what it's like and experience <laughs> afghanistan that was exactly why I want to experience war, you know? Yeah, man, I get it, bro. I get it. Um, so, like, you went to rifles, wasn't it? Yeah, I went to two rifles. All right, so, okay, so help me out here. Who, who were two, I'm a bit older than you, mate. Who were two rifles before two rifles? Was that was that one of the green jackets or was that two? Was that one LA? Or? Yeah, I know. I think they were, I think they were a comp, uh, uh, two RGJ, actually. Right. I think right, yeah. Um, um, but obviously, that's before my time. So, and you and you went. You what? What? What year did you get to the battalion? So I got to battalion um, late two thousand nine, early two thousand ten. So at the time there was a right. So there was there was a rifles. Was that hang on? Was it two rifles out at that time? Was it four rifles? Two 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 right two rifles came back from like the Sangin area at the time that I joined the battalion. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So how many so, times so were I, you beaten? Ah, uh, mate. So like, it just you, you, mate. You came. We came into a shitstorm. We came into a fucking shitstorm, mate, in that battalion. Like, blokes were... Because they'd had a pretty tasty time in Sangin. Yeah. They lost quite a few blokes. And a lot of blokes came back with injuries, like, not just physical, but psychological. And you could see that in the blokes, mate. Mm. You know, the company strength went from, like, you know, full capacity down to, like, 50% and then below because blokes were just fucking thinning out, going AWOL, just going turbo, mate. So... There was a lot of that going on, and obviously rocking up in the battalion as a sprog, mate, around that time. You're, you're despised, mate. You're literally despised by everyone. So you're just like, fucking hell. So you really had to, you really had to prove yourself. I mean, it's not an easy job to come into anyway, but like, so I, I, we were out there at the same time as um, as they were down in Sangin, and all the time we'd be getting reports, and it'd be like, fucking fatality, amputee, you know, like fucking cat A's, cat B's, cat C's, all that. And you'd be like, fucking hell, they're getting spanked. Mm. Um, and I can't imagine what that would be like walking into to, to that. Like all these guys, they're angry, they're lost mates. And then like you said, because everyone always goes a bit nuts after a tour anyway. But after a tour, I think to be fair, it's fair to say that that battalion at that, on that tour probably got spanked out of any uh, any battalion on any any Terek, uh, Terek, Terek or Herrick tour. They got hit hard, mate, you know, especially, you know, there's one, one, one of the platoons in C Company lost five guys in one incident. You know, it was it was it was crazy, you know, so so then trying to sort that. And actually, the guy that the guy that kind of squared me away as well was was around me was was involved in that incident as well. So, you know, 
those guys have seen a lot of stuff, mate. A lot of stuff. What was that like for you then going in? Because you come in with this idea of, I want to go to Afghan. What was it like then telling your new mate, say I want to go to Afghan and they've just come back and lost mates? That did did you did you realise that that was a good thing to keep you to yourself or what how'd that go down? Mate, we the battalion was rolling up into the next tour anyway. So the guy the guys the with all due respect, the guys that had come back on that tour, you know, were kind of fucked off in the end because they, they were causing more problems than than anything else in the battalion. Right. Do you know what I mean? So like there was there was you had the senior senior rifleman would, would be like strutting about and be like, because you haven't done a fucking tour, you're going to do this, this and this. And that's fine, like for a period of time, you know, but then when the you know, chain of command are noticing this and noticing that it's actually impacting the new guys coming through and they're not operating how that they're meant to be operating, then it's time to fucking thin those blokes out. And a lot of those blokes did get thinned out, you know, and that's when it and that's when the mood of the battalion changed because then it started gearing up for the next tour. And all the people that didn't want to be on that tour got fucked off. And that was a good thing, you know? Yeah, mate, I'm dead against taking anyone on tour that doesn't want to be there. Yeah, 100%. Like, there's no need in it. Like, there's no need in it whatsoever. Like, we had people come out with us on that tour who didn't want to be going. Because, you know what? We were going to Afghanistan in summer 2009. We knew we weren't all coming back. Yeah. Um, and, and I was just like, well, just get rid of them. I'd much rather have 100 blokes that want to be there than 120 with 20 of them that don't because they're just going to bring everyone else fucking down. So I, I kept in touch with I kept in touch with the, the company sergeant major of a company, and he was mate he's such a respected guy, uh, Terry Rafferty, uh, MC no less, and like he's he 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 just walk about mate, and he just like he didn't have to say anything. He had that level of respect, you know. And at that point, he was just like you know I spoke to him probably three years, four years um after kind of our tour and he was just like that company when we got rid of all those fucking deadwood you know from the previous tour he said that was the best company i've ever been around and like that's saying something considering he'd done a tour you know every year for 10 years you know it's nuts you know to hear that from him so so i really respect the guy did you think anything would happen to you or did you have the the squaddy cloak of invincibility no, mate, I didn't. I, I, do you know what? There was a period actually, like probably, I think, just before we deployed, maybe two weeks before we deployed, that was walking around my my Z type accommodation, like just using one hand, like opening doors and picking <laughs> things up. And I was like, I wonder what it's like to fucking lose my arm. And I was, little did I, little did I know. <laughs> so yeah, I did, mate. Honestly, and that's quite a vivid memory for me. Like actually, like visualizing and going through. It. I was like, what's this actually going to be like if I get injured or get hit? But saying that, like, you know, you never think it's going to be you. No. Like, I don't know. You, know, you don't no. do. No, not, I mean, at, no fir- not, at, you not at first. No. Not at first. Yeah. And then when it happens to you, when it happens to someone close to you, then you're like, oh. Yeah. You're like, fuck. Yeah. And then that's, that's where it. Well, but what was, were you, were you guys, did you have quite dark banter about it? Were you, did, was it something that you joked about? Yeah, yeah, of course, mate. I mean, you know, <laughs> The spoiler, I think the spoiler, I think the, the cat's out the bag now, mate. But like, cat's out the bag, cat's out the bag, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the rabbit's out the hat. Um, but like, mate, I remember, I think it was a day or two before I got blown up. Literally, mate, we sat in a group of four, and Bowen, this lad, lad next to me, just goes, Tom Bowen, he's, he's an influential lad, but um, that comes later in the story. But he, we all sat there in a group of four in a checkpoint, and he's literally just like, mate, if you get your wheels blown off, mate, I'm having those having those gloves. Because I had a decent, I had a nice set of gloves. It wasn't Oakley's or anything, it was just a nice set of gloves. And he was just like, I'm having those fucking yeah. gloves. I was like, no, worries, mate, you can have them. And a fucking day later, mate, honestly, when I got whacked, mate, he came over to me on the floor because he had to search over to me. He was search trained as well. And he came over, he's like, I'm having them fucking gloves now. <laughs> I'm like, yes, 
<laughs> I was like, right. Oh, man. I was like, right, well, give me a fag then, because I smoked at that time. I was like, give me a fag, give me a fag. And he's like that. I've only got one left. I was like, fucking give me twos on that fag. And he threw it. We're arguing. We're arguing over a cigarette, mate. And I remember legs just blown off. Oh, fucking oh it's fucking classic. Yeah. This is why I love squad. Yeah, it's great. That's the best. That's fucking awesome. So, like, cool. let's, so let's talk about Afghan then, mate. Were you getting out of the ground? You're doing a bit of pew pew pew, all that kind of stuff. Or would you, it wasn't first day, was it? You got blown up? No, it wasn't. It was six, six weeks in. Six weeks in, I got oh. blown up, mate. I know, like, and you know what, mate? I was, oh, oh, mate, like, just to relive that, like, I was, I was so gutted. Like, and I, I don't think I've ever been heartbroken like that before. But it's literally like having your, having your, you know, the rug was firmly pulled out, mate, from under my feet. But um, I, I just, like, from that moment, I just knew that everything I'd, I'd, trained for push for and not just since i've been in but like two years before you know building myself up to it going like telling your family and everything else you're going to join joining going through training go through depot like doing a winter course in north in north yorkshire is howling isn't it <laughs> um, but then you know getting through everything like that and you're like get to battalion build up for 18 months in battalion then go on tour then six months later or six weeks later you're fucking back home you're just like ah uh, that 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 killed me mate you know like on the inside i was like fucking i was devastated like more more so than being injured you know yeah well i'm sure i want to dig that dig into that but that first six weeks was it was it quite kinetic were you getting a lot of contacts was there ieds because what, what what year are we talking about here mate what was it 2012 so this so this, no this is 2011 right yeah. at the end of 2011 um and and it seemed mate, it seemed like the, the AO was kinetic, but like it seemed to be all around our checkpoint. <laughs> so all every, everyone else was getting smashed. Like you hear the Americans and five rifles were out, I think they're out to our east, further out to our east. And you just hear contact, 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 contact. Out to the south, contacts. To the north, contacts. You're just like, why is it so fucking quiet here? Like what's going on? Um, so, you know, it was the Taliban had, had just laid in the, the area with IEDs. So, you know, and and previously we had, I think it was uh, one of the, one of the commando one of the commando regiments were down there and anyway and three I think three power in there before as well um, so they they'd pushed the flat right back you know down towards more south towards Helmand River um, so so the Taliban weren't really pushing up to our location um, and I guess that's testament to, to those boys that were that were fighting on the ground before we got there um, but. Um, yeah, there were a few sh- uh, shooting scoots, mate. You know, on 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 the first kind of patrols that went out, they'd follow us up and let off a, a couple of bursts and that. But it wasn't that kinetic at the start. Um, I think it picked up quite a lot after I left, though. You know, which was again fucking unfortunate, mate. I was just like, fuck, say all the blokes are telling me about all these contacts and what's going on, and people getting getting blapped up. I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Well, there should be some kind of role. Like, if you've lost your legs, you should be allowed to go in and just man a sanger. Hey, Top Gunner or just, something, like, just, just anything. I'll do anything, mate. Like, just take me back. Little bungee from the top of the sand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sling, like, mate. Just sit in it. Yeah, yeah. Happy no, it's, with it's, that. It, I, can't, I can't imagine how much that would suck, mate. Cause, but you know what? You hear it all the time yeah. about blokes getting getting taken out. Like, So what, what What happened on the actual, what happened on the patrol? Were you valid man, were you? Or? Yeah, so I was, I was point man on this one, mate. And, there, and it was like, there's so many, like, small coincidences that lead up to me getting injured but you know there are only three of us that were search trained so um and we were on qrf that day so it's actually it's a pretty exciting day to be honest you know um so it, it started with um one of our um uh, 
commander from assistant platoon, one of platoon sergeants, he got injured in an IED strike in the morning and we had to bounce down to them and to uh, sort of cordon out and make sure he got extracted out of that, of that, that contact. Um, and he basically, there was a, a DFC mate just laid the side of the track and he walked past it and it's just fucking fired a load of shrapnel out and a bit's gone straight through his, his leg and out the other side. So it's a through and through, but a very interesting funny story about that mate is that he, he was a green jacket mate and you, and you cut that bloke and, he, and he's green on the inside. He was like, he was as green as could be mate. There was nothing else on this planet for him than the green jacket. Anyway, so he had the green, green jacket um, <laughs> tattoo on his leg and this piece of shrapnel went straight through that. Right. Oh. And out the other <laughs> side. And then I actually saw him in hospital. So after I got injured, um, he came down to intensive care unit. And, his, and I remember lying in intensive care and his leg is, his leg just is out straight. And it's, this leg comes around the corner then followed by like these two wheels and this geezer just like popping around the corner. And he, he had a thick uh, brummy accent. So he was like, what the fuck are you doing here, Davo? Because he didn't know I got injured, obviously, <laughs> oh, like, because he'd been injured in the morning. Anyway, he showed me his leg and, like, the tattoo had been put back together. Like, it was, like, kind of, like, half and half, but, like, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't in the right place. So he was absolutely gutted about that. I'm going to say another tattoo one. Um, I don't know this lad's name, so I apologise. But, yeah, the Liverpool tattoo, it says, you'll never walk alone. And he lost his leg. And where they folded the tattoo over, it says you'll never walk. May, and may, that's, may. That's the surgeon's having a laugh there. Like, um, if, any, if, anyone knows, if anyone knows the lad's name, not, like, fucking shout, Barnes, I'm like, fuck you, shout him out, because that was hilarious. But I, I just want, Mate, that is cool. I'm not sure on his name. Mate. I just saw the picture. I saw the picture of me. I just want to pick up yeah. on something you said, mate, that, that you're saying there's only three of you that were search trained. So, like, on that tour then, by the time you went on that one, because that's not something we did, ours was just like, right, there's a Valon, go and do the Valon. So you guys had actually gone off on a proper course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was, I can't remember exactly where it is. We went to one of the engineer regiments, mate, and, and literally went through a proper search course. And I, I think it was a two-week course. It might have been slightly, might be slightly right. less, slightly longer, but it was, it was proper in depth. And it was, a, you know, I think the hierarchy wanted to actually form a search team. So... Um, so if we didn't have we didn't have access to uh, an engineer search team, then we could be called upon to do any search ops. Yeah. Uh, at the time, we were like, yeah, great, we're out of work for like two weeks. We can just go on the piss every night and go on this course, maybe gleaming. Um, awesome, awesome course though, um, but um, obviously not for me. Um, but <laughs> I was um, say, what, what grade yeah. you get on the course? <laughs> <laughs> Should have been on the piss every night, mate. Um, mm. But um, yeah, so yeah, so bounce bounce down did that course. Um, came back to battalion as a search trained guy and um, so there's a, a group a team of us I suppose a team of eight maybe 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 slightly more with a commander and um, yeah that was our role would be searched but we actually just got split down into the companies in the end so you know so each platoon just had a, a small search kind of multiple I guess um, so yeah three of us mate search trained and um, you know all, all of our all of our kit was just always you know, in a QRF, all our, our kit is just laid out, ready to go, isn't it? So um, uh, all the weapon systems for each individual laid out and all the kit and equipment is good to go for specific roles. And um, when the call came in, the second call for this for this ambush that had happened, so after we dealt with the, the platoon sergeant in the morning, we came back and we'd been stood up and stood down most of the day, um, probably on five minutes notice to move most of the day. And, um, yeah, so this call comes in and I'm just stood next to the to the search equipment and the other two, two guys are up doing you know whatever stag or whatever and um so it's, it's bang i just pick it up without a thought and that's it i'm leading the patrol but like i would always switch between leading the patrol and being cover man anyway and i really liked the cover man role because i was close to the front of patrol and i felt like i was actually you know um 
I was actually doing a really important role, and it and it really it really it was really important to me to cover cover the guy that's um that's that's doing the important searching task. Um, so yeah, mate, and um, the guy that was usually uh, point man, he was then my cover man, uh, and that was Tom Bowen, and um, he was the one that took my gloves, but also gave me twos on a cigarette, so I can't hold it against him. Fair play. Um, so yeah, so the call comes in, mate. Um, pick up the kit, and I, and we start to bounce down towards his contact. And I think it was the PWRR that got that got ambushed. And I heard later on that they'd actually strayed into RAO. Um, but that's from one of the other blokes. And um, one of the other blokes commented on a thing. And he just said, look, if it didn't stray onto our fucking AO, they wouldn't have got waxed. And then you wouldn't have got waxed. So there was there was quite a bit of like tension between between the boys and and and, and that other call sign. Um, so, yeah, the PWRR got ambushed, mate. We bounced down to there. And... Um, I must have been, you know, a couple of hundred meters away from that contact, and because um, I remember like hearing hearing the rounds and the and the gunfire becoming louder and louder. You could see the smoke in the distance and the tree lines and that. So you're just like fucking hell, like we're gonna get some now. This is it. Like let's get into it. And to this day, mate, I do not know if I was like rushing to get there quickly or like my drills are just shit or you know for whatever reason. But um, we we had to clear through the tree lines and the irrigation ditches. Um, and as, as you will probably know that, you know, to utilize a ladder to get over the irrigation ditch was, was much quicker, um, rather than searching through the, the water for command wires and everything else, um, you know, stripping that time away that we could be down there, that contact, you know, extracting that call sign. Um, so the, so, um, essentially mate cleared through, um, uh, a quite a sparse tree line. And I remember like having the ladder down as well and walking across the ladder and, and my memory tells me that the first step off the ladder um, was the one that I got hit. Now, like I remember, I remember like just observing and then the next thing I know I'm lying on my back and I'm, I'm looking at the sky and all I can hear is just a ringing in my ears, man. And um, everything is numb. Like my, my legs are just like tingling real severe pins and needles. Um, like I can see a bit of my nose is like sticking up in my eye line. So I thought my face was like blown, oh. like blown. I thought my face was fucked because yeah. it was all numb from the explosion. And um, yeah, I just remember lying on the floor, mate. I was like, fuck. And I honestly thought that I was going to wake up. I was like, I'm, I'm in my bed space, like in, in, the, in, in the checkpoint. Like, I'm going to wake up in a minute. Let's dream. And I was like, a couple of seconds must have gone past me. I was like, I'm not fucking waking up. Like at this point, I was just like, fuck. And then I was just like, right, I've obviously been fucking hit because you can hear like muffled man down, man down above like the ringing in my ears. And I'm thinking, fuck, what was that? Was that like fucking RPG? Was it UGL? Was it fucking IED? Like, what the fuck was it? Command wire? Because I consider myself to be pretty vigilant, you know, when I was when I was on, especially heading towards an ambush, I was fucking like uber switched on at that point, um, and so like keen and excited to get down to this, down to the contact point. Um, but mate, at that point, my heart fell out. Like genuinely, like at that point, I was just like, that's fucking me, mate. Like honestly, like, and it was one of the blokes literally had to fucking grab my chin strap and fucking whack my head off the floor. And he was like, you're not going to die. Cause I was there. Like I was dying. Like, I was literally dying. And I was like, I'm fucking dying. I am dying. And he was like, you're not going to fucking die. It's like a Hollywood movie, mate. And he must've yeah. fucking wrapped my head off the floor a couple of times. He was like, you're not fucking dying. Honestly, like, we've got you. Like, and it had to have that aggressive tone just to fucking snap me out of that. And I was like, right, cool. Give me the fucking morphine. Give me a cigarette. I'm good to go. 
Um, yeah. Well, not too good to go fucking anywhere, mate, but I'm in the hands of those guys <laughs> going to square me away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, mate, my world fell apart then. And, um, you know, Ginge, Ginge was a guy that was talking about earlier that was, that was involved with the, uh, the other incident with the Sea Company lads where five, five blokes got killed. And uh, he just comes over, mate. And he actually got to me first. So he, he didn't even use anyone to search, mate. He just fucking literally ran. He was a section commander, but he was a very good mate of mine as well. And he literally just he literally just ran from his position, you know, in the call sign straight up to me, mate, without any consideration for his own safety and just fucking started issuing me, you know, life-saving support. And I just remember him putting his hands down my trousers and he was like, don't worry, mate, your balls are still there. Your balls are still there. I was just like, yeah, I was like, cheers, mate. He's been waiting for that chance for he's, months. He's been waiting for that for years, <laughs> mate, for literally his whole career. And I was like, fuck off, Ginge. <laughs> um, but yeah, mate, and it, oh, mate, it was horrendous, fucking horrendous. You know? so, so sorry, but were, the, were, they, were they gone or were they shredded or what was it like, you know? Yeah, so so at this point I'm I'm lying on my back, right? And I know obviously something is, is bad because I'm trying to sit up and I can't sit up and they're just fucking holding me down. I'm like, right. fuck's sake. So, you know, I'm, I'm in dramas. I'm having fucking drama here. So, um, anyway, so, so, um, all, all Ginger's doing, he's looking for my tourniquets. He's like, we fucking can't find your tourniquets. And I'm Ginger. They're fucking in my search. They're in my, in my pouch there on that side. Just fucking grab them out. He's like, I can't find them. Can't find them. I'm like, Ginger, they're there. They're there. Eventually he finds his tourniquets and fucking slaps them on or starts putting them on. Then Tom Bowen searches the medic up to us and um and Jules and she is an absolute legend as well. You might you might know Jules, um, but um she we'll talk about that after, but she's an absolute legend, mate. Um she gets to me, mate, and the boss gets to me, and it's not until she says to the boss, yeah, double amputee, that I then go, no. fuck. And fuck. I clicked and I went and that's when I just started, Dude. mate, I just started fucking going. Yeah, I just started going, cunt, you cunt, you cunt. I'm sorry for using that word, but this is how I was ta- how I was talking, yeah. you know, at that point. And I was so, so gutted, you know, so gutted for myself that I'd lost that. But not only, you know, for myself, it was, you know, the other guys that were in contact as well, like everything had to switch. The operation completely changed, mm. you know, from us, you know, QR, QRF, you know, multiple, you know, moving in a two-up formation to go and intercept the Taliban, you know, cut them off and get involved with them to then you know, completely changing to, you know, casualty extraction drill, mate. And I was just, I was so annoyed with myself, so annoyed with myself. And I I just lying on the floor, mate, just going, fuck's sake, cunt. And I wasn't even annoyed at the Taliban or, you know, the enemy or anyone. It was just myself, like purely like anger towards myself, just like rage, mate, and just disappointment, really. Gutted, completely gutted. Um, so mate, when they banged, you know, a shot or two of morphine into me, like my adrenaline came right down and I just chilled and I was literally lying on the floor and just let them go to work on me. There's nothing I could do. I was like in a zone, mate, just, just kind of zoned out. Mm. Um, and they just went to work on me, like, and literally just literally saved my life, mate, you know? Um, so 25 minutes later, the Merc gets to us, you know, and, um, lying on the floor mate for 25 minutes like in that condition you're just like fucking hell man like this is horrendous like and i just remember being like because i was lying on the floor i could see my my hand because my hand got a little bit damaged as well my forearm as well i remember lying on the floor and my hand was in my line of sight i got sorry mate. just go tell the because this won't be on video yeah so you sorry, just said yeah. my hand's a little bit damaged missing two fingers <laughs> yeah like missing missing two fingers mate and like honestly like my and my my wrist my wrist got took quite a bit of you know, force from the explosion from the blast 
and my forearm was was peppered mate it was just peppered mm. and um so i remember like excuse me i remember lying there and my hand was in my vision and i was just like it just looked bent and twisted and like two of my fingers were hanging off i was just like fucking hell man and i was like if my hand is that damaged and at that point i could see my nose was kind of like a little bit of my nose was sticking up so i assumed that my face was blown to bits as well and i was just like fuck and i remember just looking at ginger going is my face all right my face all right like and he was like your face is fine shut the fuck up and i was just like all right cool and just lying yeah literally yeah, literally just lying there just like all right cool happy days like what's happened what's happened you haven't got your legs you haven't got your fucking legs mate but you got your balls i was like fuck's sake get your balls get your face yeah yeah so i was like all right i've done all right out of that I'm doing all right <laughs> so um so my left hand was fine my left hand and my left arm wasn't touched mate not at all and um you know, so, um, yeah, lying on the floor, mate, 25 minutes or so, Merck comes in, and I just remember, like, the brown out and all the dust and the mud just covering me again, and, like, then all the blokes and girls jumping over me to cover me, um, you know, and to limit all the infection and everything else, and um, it was fucking horrendous, horrendous, and they couldn't get any lines into me, mate, so all my all my veins had collapsed, all my fluids were, were draining out my body, and fucking hell, mate, there was, there was, like, I must have had minutes left, mate. Do you know what I mean? I want to be dramatic, but there can't have been very much longer left. Yeah. Um, and they and the guys, I remember, mate, bouncing because the field we were, they were casivacking me across was like quite deep mud, and they were, the guys were hanging out, mate, trying to get me across that, fucking dropping me on the floor, and just literally like digging out blind to get me across there, mate. And you know, I can't thank them enough for it. But you know, we get to the back of the Chinook, mate, and this Raffred geezer steps off, and he's like you can't fucking come on with ammunition. You can't come on the back with any ammunition. And the screws like around me were just like, are you fucking crazy? Like gripping this geezer, mate. And fucking the boss wrote, a fuck, I don't know what the boss did, but he wrote something and it went up the chain of command. Um, so they weren't happy about that. Mate. Have a word, Raph um, Reg. Have a word, guys. Come on, fucking hell. You've all got ammunition anyway. Um, so they were like, can't have a weapon, can't have ammunition, fucking take it off. So there was all this to and fro on the back of the Chinook when like wasting time we should have been up in the air and gone mate the taliban were en route to us you know sending yeah. sniper teams up to our position all kind of shit mate so we could have lost you know a Merc team a chinook you know all kinds of stuff could have happened so there's things to learn well there's things to learn in this mate you know we're, we're, there's, there's, there's learning points but anyway mate and I'm, I'm lying on the back of the chinook mate and the Merc team just go to work mate and they just strip me fucking bollock naked like lying on the floor mate it's just a horrendous experience and like all these people just buzzing around you can't hear anything because it's so loud man and everyone's just literally just communicating with each other like putting light trying to get lines into me all the time and like the last thing i remember mate is them just fucking putting the line into my sternum it's because they couldn't get it in any yeah oof yeah so they that's middle, the, middle of the chest else. for you people who aren't learned doctors oh minute minute middle of the chest mate yeah. into that bone there and i remember <laughs> this guy i remember this guy just straddling me mate and he just he just he just stood over the top of me and i remember looking at him mate through like hazed hazed vision and he just put this thing <laughs> on my chest and it just felt like he just went bang and he just punched this thing into my chest oh, and i literally man. at that at that point that's the last thing I remember. At that point, I just went, and I reached up to grab him. But at that point, like I passed out. Wow. And at that that point, I was like, I've died. Honestly, I was like, that's death. I was like, that's death. I don't know if I died or whether it was just the shock and the meds, everything. Bang! Massive influx. And it just, I was 
but it was like a it was like your last the last hurrah mate you know when an animal like yeah. the freeze response it was kind of like my arm got up so far then it froze and then that was it mate i woke up in the uk woke up in I the like, uk fuck. i woke up in the uk wow fucking hell mate that's fucking that's pretty epic um woke up in the uk looked down saw no legs i suppose no 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 i woke up in i woke up in the uk mate and like Obviously, you're like going from you know where I was on the ground in Afghan en route to this ambush. So that's the last thing I remember. I don't remember getting blown up. Um, oh, you don't remember it? Don't remember getting blown you up. Did, mate. You, didn't, you didn't remember it, and then no, it came back to you. Like you came no, back to you. Didn't remember getting blown up, and then I came round in intensive care, surrounded by you know I could only see three walls in front of me and a ceiling and a clock, and I could hear beeping machines, and I was like Whoa. restricted in movement. So this is how I came round, right? There's no word of a lie. I was dreaming when I was in intensive care. I was dreaming that I was back in Afghan and I was in a Sanger and we got hit by an RPG and my chin strap somehow from my helmet got into my mouth and it was choking me. That was the dream, right? Mm. When in fact I was led in my bed in ICU and I was pulling out all the, all the tubes out from, from, you know, the feeding tubes and everything else coming up my throat. So I'm pulling these tubes out, right? And I'm choking and I'm coughing and that's what brings me round. That's the first time I've come around since I got blown up. Fuck. So, mate, like my parents are sat there, like the the twenty four hour like nurses literally sat there. And as I'm kind of coming round, I'm trying to fight because the last time I remember, I mean, I'm in Afghan and I've just woken up from a dream where I've literally just been blown up, and I'm choking at the same time. So it's fight or flight, and I'm pinned down in this bed. In reality, you know, all these lines are in me, like stitched into me and everything is like, everything is, you know, my arms in a huge pressure bandage, my legs won't work. You know, my body is, feels absolutely trashed and it's broken. I can barely move and I wake up and I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Like I had about three or four minutes where I was just literally just like in another zone, mate. Like there was no, there was no control over me. Like there was nothing I could do about it. It was a proper, you know, involuntary reaction. And, um, so the last thing I remember is the, them sort of pinning me down and being like, fucking hell, this is where you are. This is what's happened. You're okay. You're sound. Mate, this sounds like it's out of a Hollywood movie, but this is the, this is a fact, you know? And, um, I just remember looking at my parents and they were just like fucking devastated, absolutely devastated. And they were just like, cause I was fucking, my eyes were just, like I was ready to fight or do anything. There's no way I could fight, so I was pinned down. So it's just like sheer aggression coming out. And um yeah, so that was, you know, that was a really traumatic time, you know, not only for, for them but for me and everyone in that room. And then kind of I chilled out and, you know, got my bearings and worked out what had happened. They filled me in on the details. And then I looked down, like, well, at first I observed, like, my arm was in this pressure bandage thing and it was really painful. I was like, fucking hell, like my arm's really painful. Like Ah, fucking hell, that's all right. But my left hand is fine. And I look down, mate, towards the end of the bed, and where you should, you know, because I'm covered in sheets, but where you should see like your feet kind of making an impact in the in the sheets mm. at the end, like where your toes are sticking up, that wasn't there. And I was just like, I had to take like a minute. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, mm. where am I? Like, what, what's going on? Like, is this a like is this a meds or drugs? Because I was hallucinating all kinds of shit, mate. Um, and then like when I worked it out that my legs were blown off, mate, I was just like, my heart ripped out of my body again. I was like, fuck's sake. I was like, no way. So at that point I was like, right, my arm's fucked. You know, my right arm's fucked, like, but it's still there. My legs are gone. The lower legs are gone. But what have I got? 
you know, my left arm's all right, that's fine. I've got my vision, I've got my hearing. Mm. So at that point, I started to build myself and I started to paint the picture again of what my life could potentially be like. So at that point, it was really about the, the, the positivity. It was really, and that naturally came out of me. I didn't have to force it. It was just like, right, cool. This is what's happened. I'm not going to let it fucking get in the way. I'm just going to crack on, use what I've got and push through it. Um, and that's, that is where the fight started, mate. And, you know, it served me well, you know, to have that kind of mentality throughout. Before we go into that, mate, I wanted to ask you about PPE. So you said you still got your balls, you still got your vision. Mm-hmm. Were you wearing goggles yeah. and um, combat nappy? Yes. Wow. Not goggles, but just like... Um, just normal, Just normal, yeah, ballistic eye pro, mate. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest, probably saved my eyesight, mate. And I'm very, very fortunate that I was wearing them because... I'm actually, mate, I'm actually really, you know, uh, grateful that our chain of command were like, you are not fucking going out on the ground unless you're wearing this, 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 and this. Because they'd just been on Herrick 9 or Herrick mm-hmm. 10, and they'd seen blokes getting absolutely smashed to bits. And they were literally like, you are not, not leaving the checkpoint unless you have got this, this, and this. And if you do, and you're out on the ground, you take it off, I'm going to fucking fill you in. And it was like, fair enough. And that's the way it was. You know, so I'm just grateful that it was, you know, we had decent couple of decent chain of commands that were that were for the blokes, properly for the blokes. You See, know, mate, it ties us into the littering. You're threatening people, threatening to fill people in. Shit gets done. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> it works, mate. It works wonders. That, that's how it is. Man, thanks so much for coming on, mate. You fucking, you are inspiration to me and I'm sure you're inspiration to the listeners. Um, thanks so much, buddy. We'll catch you next time. Mate, thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Love to be on, mate, and hope to see you soon. Take care, won't you? Right, guys, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, we've got so much to talk about with Justin that we are going to have him back in um, on Monday. Uh, What a fucking bloke, right? If you're not inspired after that, then I do not know what will inspire you, you fat, lazy slags. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just lashing out. I'm so fucking full of enthusiasm and excitement now after after having a good chat with Justin. I'm ready to fucking roll. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you're not too offended about me calling you a fat, lazy slag, if you'd like to go over to Amazon and order a copy of Brothers in Arms in paperback, then me would love you long time. And if you won't order a copy, then I'll call you a fat, lazy slag again. How about that? Ah, right. How about saying thank you to our sponsors? I love you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And the people I appreciate with all my heart are you noble listeners. Thank you so much for coming along week in, week out, um, giving me some reasons to get out of bed. I fucking love you. Ah, man. Back with Justin on Monday. Whatever you're doing this weekend, I hope you have a great time. Um, Unless you're doing something like which is a bit fucked up. If you're going out there looking, no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'll get the fucking episode, but just go out there and have a great time and be whoever you want to be. Listen to this episode two, three times. Get inspired. Go some fucking conquer some fucking shit. And then we'll be back with Justin on Monday for another round of massive inspiration. Let's go. Okay, now I love you. Bye. Yeah. Listen. You told me not to worry and you wouldn't break my heart You told me you were sorry and my whole world fell apart You said it's not my fault and yeah I've never done you wrong I'm grinding to a halt now I can see you're moving on I promised I'd get better and I told you things would change You keep me to the gutter yeah I'll never be the same I've gotta let you go now live your life and spread your wings And yeah you put on quite a show and pulled the puppet strings And are you sure that you don't want me remember all the pain 
Or maybe you should thank me, it's your loss and my gain I'm leaving now forever, I won't hang my head in shame But yeah, you've taken me for granted, and you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us, a dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live and something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet or hold a newborn But no matter what I do, my hand's remembering my rifle, yeah Life's hard, I know that, still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah, I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back Memories fade, yeah, they go fast, yeah, they go fast Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah